Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina, from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. If I could start singing a song, Rain, Rain, Go Away... I probably would, but my voice just does not blend to that. But the rain is here, and it is helping to melt the snow. I was just uh, mentioning to someone before that I hope it is this nice, slow, steady rain, because I know that it is causing some problems that are here. It is hard to see, but it is something that we have to take and absorb. Sorry for the pun on the words for that. But this week, too, it was kind of a contrast. We had... What we had was the Colorado load number one, number two, and we're in three. And it was really kind of weird here at the garden center because earlier we were, not today, but earlier this week, we had rain, we had snow. And at the same time that it was snowing, we had thunder cracking above us. How odd is that? But we will take it. We will see how the season goes. Because it's kind of different being in our gardens. They're all covered with snow in certain areas. The lawns are flat and brown with maybe a little hint of green. But the trees stand out. Have you ever stopped and taken a pause and looked at your trees without their leaves? The shape, the texture, the color, they're all there. Trees support our gardens. Trees are important. We'll talk about that but I found a really cute poem. It's called The Conversation with the Tree. Yesterday, before the sun awoke, as odd as this may be, I paused while I was walking to have a conversation with the tree. Now, you might think it crazy, conversing with the tree, but in my defense, it was the tree who first called out to me. I've seen you walk by for many years. This tree conversing was a she. I think it's time that we get to know each other. Come sit and talk to me. Before you think my craziness has gotten too pervasive, let me tell you right up front, a tree can be persuasive. We had a wonderful conversation, and though we didn't always agree, I have to say I was impressed with the wisdom of a tree. I asked her where her wisdom came from, and as she swayed in the morning breeze, she said not only do her roots run deep, but they connect with all other trees. She said, I may look like I am one standing on my own, but being linked to all other trees means I never stand alone. Which means, she said, you're not talking exclusively to me, Since I am connected to all others, I am more than just one tree. And though she didn't come right out and say it, I'm sure the message was meant for me. Her subtle way of saying humans should be a little more like us trees. As the first rays of morning light began to shine on me, I smiled, told her I had to go, then turned and thanked the tree. As I walked away, I thought to myself, I'm not crazy. 
But how lucky I must be to think that I just sat down and had a conversation with a tree. So I turned back to the tree. I smiled, waved to prove my sanity is intact, that the old tree not only waved to me, but I'm pretty sure she smiled back. You are listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal, and we have to have a little bit of an upbeat attitude right now because I know that spring is on the way. Yes, the little smidges of grass that are out there that are trying to grow. I think our backyard rabbit is enjoying a little bit of a taste. And believe it or not, some of my little garden chives up close to the house are trying to sprout. So the energy is there. We know it is. We're just at a little bit of a pause and a break. We get over this little hump and then it is spring. I can feel it. Let's go right to lines. We have callers uh, waiting. Hi, Kelly. Good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning, Carla? I'm very good. Thank you for asking. Good. I have a real tough one here for you this morning, but I know you're the one can answer it. Well, I hope I can answer it, but before I've you... I've got wild plum seed here that I'm trying to germinate. A wild plum, like from the, from the wild? Yes. What's the best way to get those to germinate? Okay. What you can do is, how big is the seed did you collect? How big is, how big is it? About the size of your fingernail, small yep. fingernail, and I, okay. I've kept them over the winter. Okay. And what you could probably do is soak your seed... And then sometimes by putting a little bit of a nick, uh, let it soften a little bit, and then just be careful, don't cut your finger, but take your little pocket knife or something and just do a little bit of a striation that's in it because sometimes some larger seeds are very hard, and that's why we, in essence, sometimes we pre-soak our seeds or we have a tendency to put them between two layers of damp uh, paper toweling just Mm -hmm. to soften it. But just think of the energy that's inside there, and some seeds are almost very nutty, nut-textured, so they need that little bit of a softening that's on it and a a little bit of a help to just give it a little fine cracking that's on there. Okay, what I've done, maybe that's my mistake, I gave it some help all right. I cracked it open and took the little germ seed out. Oh, okay. <laughs> did as I did that, I, yeah. and then I so this is what I did last year, and then I soaked them overnight, and yeah. then I put them between uh, between paper towels and put them in a jar and put some in the light, put some in the dark place. I even put some in the garden. Yeah, I left and, them there for weeks and months, and nothing germinated. Okay. So I, I would, tried this year. The only thing I ever did different this year, I took the seed and I left it outside and I froze it. That stayed outside all winter, and they've stayed frozen from the last fall's plums that had fallen off the tree in the bush. Yep. And uh, I froze them this year, and I did the same this year. I cracked them open and yep. soaked them overnight, and then I did the same thing again. I got them in different scenarios, and that was about a week ago. I haven't checked them. I'm going to leave them for two or three weeks and see what happens. But uh, I, I so, look on the Internet and see what people do, and that's what they do. They like they crack that shell open, and then uh, they take that little germ seed out, you know, and then yeah. but yeah. But well, hopefully cracking. this year, in a week, another week or two, but I thought I'd give you a call in, in case you had some... Yeah, usually what we do is, and on, well, what I usually do is take a pocket knife and I slice it so that the crack is in there, but it still has that casing. Okay. You can, a lot of people do take the outer casing that's completely right off. Now, chilling it is the other thing, too, because in nature, you did the right thing there, too. Because if I overwinter seeds that I don't use from season to season, I don't leave them just, you know, 
uh, at room temperature. I keep them in a fridge. Yeah, so that was that- a mistake I left you. I left them in my heated shop, but this year I left them out in the, in the frozen greenhouse. And, and yeah. I just in a container, so yeah, see it's what happens almost- this year. Yeah, it's like a vernalization, like our perennials too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's some tendency where people would like to grow perennials in a pot, but take them inside the house. They just don't do that well. No, they need that, no. They need that vernalization. They need that chilling, mm. cooling down, chilled out attitude yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that they need a little rest to really put them in that dormant state. Yeah, but I notice in the wild now, it is hard to find plums, wild plums in the wild now. So I just don't think that they're germinating the same as they used to. It's hard yeah. to find them. Yeah. yeah, you know, I that I can't comment on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, maybe the guys out at Jeffrey's Nursery, if there's a time that you visit or you call them, maybe they can maybe. sort of see what's on there. Mm-hmm. But, but you I know appreciate what? your help with that. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, and uh, look forward to other calls coming in. Okay, well, wonderful. Thank you. And where are you calling from today? I, I'm calling from Brandon. From Brandon. Well, hello, Brandon. Yeah. I, I was just going to say that um, I have a brother that's out in Brandon, beautiful little city, yeah. and it's... there are some trees and some big trees that are out there. My brother, if he's listening, good morning, Kent, uh, he has a big, massive, beautiful plum tree in his oh, backyard. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's just massive. Wow, and nice. uh, I remember going out there and sort of... Uh, hearing the plums dropping off of it, but uh, mm-hmm, I'm, mm-hmm. the trunk must be two feet around on this thing. Yeah, yeah every, every place has its, has its beauty in different ways, that's for sure. So. Oh, it does, it does. And trees are majestic. We really mm-hmm. have to look after them. Mm-hmm. All right. I, okay, I appreciate your phone I'm call. I'm up anymore. Thank you. Have a nice day. You too. Bye-bye, Bye. Kelly. Grab your cup of coffee. Grab a cup of tea. Sit with us. Let's talk about gardening, because we can't be in our garden. Or... Maybe you like to put your rain jacket on and do a little peruse and see what's happening out there. There's a whole realm of gardening that can be happening right now. So let's go right back to lines. We have another caller. Good morning, Jim. Oh, hi there. I had some uh, pretty good luck over the winter when I uh, made a pot of impatience. And now I've got stems that are about 12 inches long. And rather than just, uh, I want to cut the plant back to earth and eventually put it back in the dirt. But with these cuttings... How long should I make them if I'm going to stick them in water or whatever? Okay. With your uh, impatience, do you know which variety? Is it just the bedding impatience? Like the... Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. So when you have the stemming, you should always count at least two or three leaf nodes that you can... Re- and a leaf node is where the leaves are on there that you could remove. Yeah. So if you have, um, let's say you have a, a, if it's 12 inches long in stem, you're going to cut it maybe in half. And if there's a chance that you can remove two or three of the leaf nodes above the cut line. Yes. And you still have leaves existing that could be on top, that mm-hmm. would be good. Uh, sometimes you can, it depends on how the distance between your leaves are, because sometimes you may have lots of leaves that are in that distancing. But uh, those would be best because... It, the bottom cut is cut number one, and then okay. at least two or three leaf sets on either side is best. And then use a rooting hormone and go direct to soil. So uh, uh, touch it with the, the hormone and then yep. drop it in dirt. Like forget about putting it in water. No, I wouldn't. Impatience is too. It's too much moisture that's in there. I would do it direct to soil. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. Yeah, so and basically, with, I'm, stri- I'm, I'm, I'm cutting a stem, stripping the leaves off, and ro- putting the rooting compound on, and then sticking it in dirt. Yes. Okay. 
Yeah, and it's it's you're gonna have so many impatience that way. And just remember, when with impatience, they don't really like to be overly watered. They like moisture. Yes. Good drainage is key. I don't sure. know how many. Well, yeah. and oh, and by the way, with this uh, rooting compound, would it be good to go for uh, uh, in a month, like June first? Oh yeah, you will have it rooted. Like impatience will should root fairly quickly for you. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to start it, and here's another tip. If you're going to do a root cutting, do it in smaller cells rather than having a huge volume of, of moisture. Like if I was to do a cutting, I would probably put it in a, a little one and a half or two inch uh, cell rather than putting it direct to a four or five inch pot, hoping that I'd have this nice lush big plant. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Good. Okay. Well, Good luck with that, Jim. Yes. Thanks a lot. You're very welcome. Thank you for calling. Bye-bye. And this is where it is because, A, if you're doing seeding and you're doing your uh, cutting or transferring, it's because, A, the plant doesn't need, or the cutting, sorry, does not need all that excessive soil around it to start. It's got all that energy to put into trying to produce more roots for it. And if you increase the size of the soil thinking that, oh, I'm going to go direct from this small cutting to a huge plant in this one pot, there is so much more moisture around that plant to absorb that it doesn't have a chance to breathe. And if you think the top surface of the plant is dry, the soil beneath could still be very moist, right? Just imagine. I don't want to stick my feet in that moisture all the time. I want to have some air. I want it to breathe. I want to let my feet dry. That's what the roots are saying too. And on smaller plants, they will emerge, they'll come through, and they will elongate and reach down into that extra moisture, which is optimal growth is what you want, right? I love the conversation that we're having today. Susan is next. Good morning, Susan. Good morning. Good morning. And yes. I forgot to ask Jim where he was from, but I'm going to ask you. From Austin. From Austin. Well, good morning, Austin. Yeah. I have this banana plant, and I don't know what to do with it, um, whether it's going to produce or not, I don't know. But I had it indoors all winter. I didn't uh, think it was an outdoors plant for us here in wintertime. So anyway, and I was told that it could produce bananas, and I was wondering what I should do with it. Okay, so there are different types of bananas. If it's a, there's kind of the giant Cavendish, there's, um, there's dwarf types. Some of them have been known to fruit and get them to go through. Is it... Is, does it, is it a dwarf variety, do you know, or is it a Well, uh, it's not very tall. It stands about a good foot high. It's not very tall, but it has has six, seven, eight, nine, ten leaves. And it was at a standstill in wintertime for one time, and I figured, oh, it's going to produce a bunch of bananas for me now. Oh, wouldn't <laughs> that be happen. cool? No, it's making more leaves. It's making more leaves. Yeah. Well, sometimes it depends on the conditions that some plants will actually uh, produce a fruit. They Does have it have, have, have to have an extra big pot of uh, dirt? Well, it bananas, though, they don't need to be overly huge, but you want to have make sure that you have enough moisture in that soil for it to produce. Like, again, you don't need, uh, if it's a, you know, if it's four or five leaves and it's four feet tall, you don't need a four-foot-wide pot. Yeah. But you probably need, you know, a 14-, 16-inch pot would probably be optimal huh? that's in there. Again, I have a... Um... Uh, I think it's a 12-inch pot. Okay. It, and if it's in a 12-inch pot, the other general rule of thumb that I generally say is if it's been in that pot for 
a number of years. A couple start- of years, no. Okay, if it's only a couple of years, then I'd say don't disrupt it because it's okay. just settle- it's settling in. You're getting nice leaf growth that's at- happening that's on it. Yeah. And you don't want to put it in a bigger pot at this stage because uh-huh. then the plant itself basically says, I have more room to develop roots. Let's make more roots and, and we'll slow down on the top portion of it. Okay. Plants, especially tropical plants, love to be a little bit cozier on their roots in the pot. Mm-hmm. They like to be a little bit more pot bound. Oh, yeah. So if I don't see roots girdling on the top, if I don't see roots coming out the bottom of the drainage holes, I'm thinking it's in its comfort zone. Yeah, okay. Okay? And it depends on the, uh, depends on the <clears throat> maturity of the plant. It depends on the type of plant, a type of banana, that if it will make fruit, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? You make me kind of, uh, okay, I'm going to bring Brandon into this because I have a, a friend who owns a garden center. I'll give him a little shout out. It's Bernie at the Green Spot in mm-hmm. Brandon. And he has a little section of his garden center. If you're in that area, go see it. Um, he's got a little section in there, and he has a banana tree that's planted in his garden center. Okay. And, uh, some of the girls that work there would uh, mention that they have bananas producing on his banana tree. Uh-huh. So it's Bernie, if you're listening, give us your tips on how you can get your bananas blooming. <laughs> that's okay. In there. But, but uh, if you can get it to fruit, oh, my Gosh, that would be so good. Uh, uh, does it need fertilizer, though? Yes, I would fertilize it if you're wanting to use... With what? Um, if you're wanting to go organic, you could use like a sea kelp fertilizer. C-L? Uh, kelp. Sea kelp. Okay. K-E-L-P. You can do that. Or if you're wanting to uh, do any other, other fertilizing that's in there, I would probably use one that was more of a tree and shrub one that's in there. Or... If it's the other side, if you have houseplant fertilizer, you can use that as well. Okay. Okay? Very good. All right. Okay, thank you. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Wow. The conversation is going from, like, trees indoors, trees outdoors, and actually bananas. Do you see the diversity of gardening? I think it's wonderful because this is the year, and I'm going to say I'm going to keep telling you guys because there's a celebration that's happening and this is the year of horticulture in where we are this is the year of our garden this is the year of the garden 2022 so i think after such uh you know uh the weather that's been happening in the last the drought now the snow and then around us there is beauty in gardening it gives us and i'm a one that totally endorses that it's good for your mental health it's good physically for your body and it's so rewarding in seeing the flowers. Yes, looking at a tree totally de- like de-leafed, there's beauty in that. Yes, there is. So the year of the garden, 2022, let's make it pretty. Let's make it. Let's see if Susan can get her bananas to bloom and to fruit. Wouldn't that be great? I wonder how tasty those would be. We'll have to see. Now, when we were talking about trees and I wanted to give us a conversation on trees before we start into our gardens because, A, we can't physically get into our gardens quite yet because, A, it's raining. Yeah, sorry. B, the ground is wet and it's frozen underneath. So if you're thinking of maybe doing a little bit of, I call it sidewalk gardening, 
Uh, if you see any sort of stuff that's blown in there, yeah, a little bit of garbage, maybe a little bit of maybe uh, heavy leaves that could be lightly raked up. But the endorsing part is stay off your lawns right now, stay out of the gardens right now, because if they are slowly starting to thaw, the ground and nature itself, it's that freeze-thaw, freeze-thaw. What is the ground doing? It's opening, it's heaving in our gardens. It's opening up air spaces. So it's allowing this air to go back into the garden. There's something about nitrates and oxygen that goes it back in there. So what we don't want to do is we do not want to go into our gardens too early and cause a compaction of those soils. Because where we are, it's clay-based. And if we're not amending our soils, the compaction is actually doing a detriment to what we want when we are ready for our planting. Right? So stay off the garden, stay off. It's too soupy, it's too wet. I can endorse that. We have a flood behind us that's happening. It looks like a lake. You probably may have too. But there's what there is, okay? So let's just adore the trees and we're going to take some conversation maybe more into our trees. But I do have Bernice on the line. Hi, Bernice. Let's take as many calls as we can. Good morning, Bernice. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for calling us on the Lawn and Garden Journal. How can we help you today? You're welcome. Oh, I've had a long-standing problem with a garden that's very, very dry. It does not seem to... To accept moisture, um, it just runs off. Like if you pour tanks of water on there, like last summer during the drought, it would just run off rather than sink in. Okay. Now, is your soil sandy or is it more heavy clay-based? I don't know. Is there a test I can do to, to tell the difference? Well, sandy soil, um, if it was quickly draining down into the soil and sort of running away, like, um, I'll use my, I, I think I must have my brother on the brain today because uh, he's in the Brandon area and he always tells me that when he's watering, it just, it's gone because he's in a very sandy location where the soil is very fast draining. So he's having to water a little bit more just so that the moisture stays in the ground versus if I know in Winnipeg, we're very clay based and as much as we add clay buster in some instances to our soil to help with that gypsum to break down the composition of the clay, they seem to bind back every one or two years later that we're having to add compost and maybe amendments to help us break up that flattening clay hard pan look so that we have air spaces and composition that helps to hold the moisture. Well, maybe it's clay then, because it just seems to be so hard, so flat, won't absorb yeah. anything. Okay, so if you're in an area where you're very clay-based, uh, try composting. You can put some compost in there. Uh, try and put a little bit of peat moss, so you can add a little bit in there. But I love putting compost in it. Anything that you can do to add compost will help to break down that composition. Okay. Uh, I, I did mention there are some gypsum products that you can apply either in a clay buster aspect or a gypsum uh, base, you can go to your garden center and they will have something like that. And it actually reacts to the clay to help break it down. What is which, there a name I could look for? Uh, you can ask for, a, um, if they don't have clay buster, ask for a gypsum base spray for uh, amending soils. Gypsum base? Gypsum. It's G-Y-P-S. Can you start again with that first letter? I certainly can. 
G. D E? G. G is in George. Oh B Oh G, okay. G. Yeah. G is in George. Y P S U M. U M okay. Yep. Gypsum based. What? Yeah. It will either come in as a spray or a powder. Gypsum based what do you call it? Soil? Soil buster. Soil buster. Okay. okay. Yeah, I need something like that to break it up. Yeah. And so. when you when you apply this uh, it will break that down, and then once that's broken down, I want you to do some composting. Either, either add sea soil or garden compost to it, because that will help it, and it will make it easier to work the soil. And add compost. All this before and it's worked in the spring? When, yes. If you can put some gypsum that's on there, the gypsum may take a little bit of activity to get it going, but if you're tilling it to break it up, till it and break it up and add your compost to it at the same time. Yeah, I'll have to get some kind of tiller because usually we just hire somebody to come in once a year and that's it. So that's part yeah. of it too, I think. And it needs to be, more, um, I have to get a little tiller to work things in more often. Yeah, and frequently working your soil, if you have a garden where you can fr- uh, frequently get a little garden tro- uh, trowel, and I like to go through and sort of till up the areas a little bit weekly so that I'm actively working the soil around my plants and my annuals and my vegetables so that A, I'm working it, keeping it a little bit lighter, and B, if I'm disrupting that soil and I'm tilling that soil on a weekly basis, then I'm also disrupting any weed seed that may be working there too as well. Yeah. Okay? Yep, thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. Okay, have a good day. Okay, thank you for calling. You're welcome, thank you. Bye. You know what? This is great conversation. Don't you believe it? Yes. We're thinking about gardening. We're going to go right back to lines. It's a busy morning. Calvin is waiting. Good morning, Calvin. Good morning. Good How morning. Are you? I'm very well. And where are you calling from today? Landmark. Landmark. Well, I know where you are. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. I forgot to ask Bernice, but uh, it looks like we're getting a lot of diversity, and I love hearing that to all our country folks <laughs> are uh, listening. Yep, you bet. Yeah. How can we help you on the Lawn Garden Journal? Well, uh, my my wife's the one with the green thumb in the family, but uh, she's she's uh, out right now. Which I, I said, you know what? I'm going to call and ask about this Diefenbachia plant. I think that's what it's called. Okay. That she's been growing, and she also showed me um, this one very large uh, trunk, basically. But it's grown level with the ground. It's and then it's grown in like a. a horseshoe shape we don't know why uh and we don't know like how it happened or why it happened but but it's like completely level and and in the shape of a a horseshoe and it's like a u and now it's like lying on the ground okay and it's in a uh what how big is that about a two-foot pot and we're wondering if we can do anything with this can it be fixed or does it just have to be cut off can we salvage the pieces if we do that that sort of thing okay so Diefenbachias if um, some of our listeners will just tell them they're they're quite dramatic there's a large family of them and they have dramatic leaves whether they're uh, heavily veined with white creamy uh, veining that's in there but the stemming itself they kind of elongate into a tree form so I think what may happen is sometimes if the stemming gets weak it kind of uh, gets restricted and will stay low. So you may have had a, maybe a weak, weakening part that's on it. 
But if some of the leaves are removed from that, if you look at the stemming, they kind of have a lot of like leaf lines where the pre-existing leaves have gone. Yeah. Left. I could now, see that. Now, if that is coiled on itself like a circle or a horseshoe, and if it's close to the soil, sometimes I've seen them send off secondary roots. Like, you know, if I was to cut it and try and root it? Well, there there is like one, two, three other um, stems coming out of the same pot. Okay, but they're separate from this horseshoe one that's laying off it by itself, right? Well, I can't tell. Uh, two, I guess two of them seem further away. One is like right up beside it. Okay, so if you... Okay, two trains of thought. You could either leave it there and give it a little bit of an extra support with maybe a sphagnum pole or a moss pole, which is kind of trendy these days. Uh, uh, what what could, are those? It's called a moss pole. Moss? It's moss, M-O-S-S. A moss. Pole, yeah. <laughs> what they... What it is basically in the uh, tropical plants are very trendy. They've been trending for quite a while. So they've come up with some, uh, it's like a short pole, like a, you know, uh, in the gardening world, we would go to large bamboo poles for supporting our beans and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, these poles are a little bit thicker and they've been um, banked or have a collection of moss around them. And some of our plants love climbing on moss poles in nature, they would be climbing on tropical trees that have this mossy, hummusy conduit that's on top of it that helps to support them. So you can either get a trendy little moss pole and let that one be supported with it, okay. or if there's enough branching in your pot and enough stems in your pot that you could say, okay, we're going to sacrifice cutting this one off because the other portions of the plants could support it and still look like a nice plant and then do a um try rooting that piece that you've cut off just we would just do plant. one piece because it's i didn't measure it but it's like if you follow the stem all the way around up to the first leaf it's yep. probably close to two feet two feet well you could cut that and then you could cut that stemming even shorter how like so, what size pieces would you well, if uh, where the leaf set is, I would go six, eight inches from the bottom leaf set to make oh. sure you have a lot of leaf branches yep. that's there. Okay. And then if you have a six to eight inches of um, stemming for rooting and then the rest of the leaves above, and then this second piece, you can either leave a, a chunk of that stem still attached because right. if you do that, mm-hmm. Calvin, you could actually sometimes produce the old scent it takes a fair bit of time but sometimes they send more um leaf sets down low oh okay 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 so you have a whole bunch of options on that one (laughs) fair enough yeah so we can we can buy this pole where would we get something like that uh some of your garden centers should have it if there's a garden center that's close to you um in you know uh, there's, there's greenhouses, but... Uh, yeah, if there's greenhouses, they may have moss poles. Okay. Okay, if you're or if you're headed towards uh, Steinbeck, Oak Ridge probably mm-hmm. has them. If mm-hmm. you're headed to Win- Winnipeg one day, I can definitely help you. Okay. And for okay. rooting, like, would we stick it into water if we cut it and, and wanted the, the, the leaf piece to try and root? You could do it to water or you could do it to soil as well. And again, if you're putting it in a pot that's, if the stemming that you're cutting is six inches, go to a smaller size pot. Okay. Uh, maybe go a six, seven inch pot with soil so that the stemming is in there. You don't need a lot of soil because cool. a, some, okay. 
some tropicals uh, will grow in water, and some will grow in soil just as nicely. And would would you water that soil like you would the plant normally, like let it dry and then water, yep. let it dry? Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay, right. and use it, if you have any rooting hormone, hormone, put a little bit of rooting hormone on the areas too as well that have been cut. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. The conversation is, yes, we're looking after our tropical plants too because we can't get into the gardens that are out there. But we will get there, trust me. And the other little thing is, um, if you're getting to the point where some plants are getting too tall, you could do that. There's a lot of plants that maybe are hitting the ceiling right now that you're thinking, oh my goodness, it's going to be flailing across the top. If you visit us here, we're a classic example of that. We have this glorious ficus benjamina that is in the center of our tropical house. And every couple years, our landscapers help us lay it down because it's probably tipping at about 30, 30 plus years now. And it only is held in a 30-inch pot. So guess what? It does not need a lot of soil. It needs the fertilization and it needs the water. And we have to lay this down. We cut about eight feet off of it because it looks like this jungle is climbing across this 20-foot roof. And lo and behold, it makes the tree bushier, thicker, more leaves. And the same thing happens with maybe some of our annuals that we're growing right now. I know that it's going to be a little bit later than last year for sure that we're planting. So if you find that some of your annuals are getting that you've seeded are getting a little tall or a little leggy, do a little light pinching. Take that very, very next new emergence of leaves and just give them a little snippet. Pinch it because it will stop that lead growth. It will cause the branches from the leaf sets down lower to say, hey, I got to produce more branches because she's not allowing me to grow taller. And the more branches, the more leaves. The more leaves, come on, more blooms. It's the year of the garden. Let's make as many blooms as possible. And that's the same effect with our trees and our shrubs. Pruning right now, if I look out the window, Take a look, and maybe from the venturing of not being in the garden, take a look at the branches. Which ones are rubbing up against the other that could cause opening and scarring? Let's take a look at some of the trees and shrubs that could be some pruning. All right? So think about it. Just remember, if you're starting your pruning, uh, 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 don't do the lilacs unless you don't want any blooms. Don't do your mock orange unless you don't want any blooms. Other things? Yes. Maples? Uh Uh-uh. Don't do it. All right. Thank you for listening, everyone. And just a reminder, our trees give us a lot of history. A little shout out to a little cottonwood tree that grew for 120 years plus. It's known as the halfway tree between Winnipeg and Brandon. If you're ever out that way, take a look and maybe stop carefully and talk to a tree. We'll be back next week on the Lawden Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone.